At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate megastores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. In this episode of the Scarecast, I will be going over three cases. Number one, Dr. Herbert Hopkins' Men in Black visit. Number two, the mysterious man from Tarid. Number three, the haunting of Tennessee High School. Dr. Herbert Hopkins, a 58-year-old doctor and hypnotist, was acting as a consultant on an alleged UFO teleportation case in Maine. One evening, when his wife and children had gone out, leaving him alone, the telephone rang, and a man identifying himself as Vice President of the New Jersey UFO Research Organization asked if he could visit Dr. Hopkins that evening to discuss certain details of the case. The doctor agreed, at the time, it seemed the natural thing to do. He went to the back door to switch on the light so that his visitor would be able to find his way from the parking lot. But while he was there, he noticed the man already climbing the porch steps. I saw no car, and even if he did have a car, he couldn't have possibly got into my house that quickly from any phone. Hopkins later commented in delayed astonishment. His guest was impeccably dressed in an apparently new suit, pants perfectly creased, black suit coat, tie, and shoes, and a starched white shirt. He also wore gray leather gloves. On the top of his head was a black hat, which the man removed, revealing a perfectly smooth bald head. Dr. Hopkins realized before he had even spoken a word to the man that he was totally hairless. No eyebrows or eyelashes graced the man's face. Also, even in the dim yellow light of the hall, he could tell that his visitor's skin was pale to the point of being nearly white. The only hint of color about him were his deep red lips. His nose seemed too small for a man of his height and stature, and his ears were very small as well, appearing to be lower on the head than they should have been. Hawkins' dog began barking erratically the minute the man entered the home. Hawkins invited the stranger into his living room, and they sat opposite each other on the chair and the couch. 
The stranger asked about the hypnotism sessions with the supposed abductees. And Hopkins answered all of his questions, even though the strangeness of the whole encounter was beginning to have an impact upon his mind. Who was this man, really? He seemed to know things about the case that only someone intimately involved with it would. Why was he asking questions if he already knew all of the answers? With every answer that Hopkins gave to his inquiries, the man would repeat the same exact phrase. Yes, that's the way I understand it. And then it occurred to him that he did not know the man's name. Things immediately began to steer towards the unknown, and Dr. Hopkins found himself in the presence of something else, something other. First, the man mistakenly brushed his lips with his gray gloves, and a portion of lipstick was smeared off, revealing that he had no lips. Then he pointed to Dr. Hopkins' pocket and told Hopkins that he had two coins in it. This seemingly random observation was true. Though, how he would have known this was beyond the good doctor. The stranger requested that Hopkins remove one of the coins out of his pocket and hold it in the palm of his hand, in which he did. Watch the coin, the stranger requested. As the doctor observed it, his vision began to grow fuzzy and the coin began to waver and change colors. After it changed color, it simply vanished. The man then said that no one on this plane would ever see that coin again. He then changed the topic to the Betty and Barney Hill UFO encounter from New Hampshire in 1961. Do you know what happened to Barney Hill? Asked the stranger. No, I don't, replied Hopkins. Except that he died. Do you know what he died from? Asked the stranger. A heart attack, maybe? No, that's not entirely accurate. He died because he knew too much, replied the stranger. The MIB then gently suggested that Hopkins destroy any material he had related to the Stephens case. At this point, his speech started to slow down. Rising slowly and unsteadily to his feet, he said very slowly, My energy is running low. Must go now. Goodbye. Clinging to the railing, he climbed down the stairs, first one foot on a step, then bringing the other down next to it, rather than going one foot after another like a healthy person. Dr. Hopkins saw a bright light shining up the driveway, brighter than an automobile headlight, and bluish white in color, although no light had been present when he had arrived. Rushing to the kitchen window, the doctor looked out to watch him, but the light was gone. Hopkins, extremely shaken by the encounter, followed the advice of the man 
and burnt all the files he had related to the case. When the rest of the family eventually returned, they went out with the light to examine the driveway. The only marks they found were what looked like a small caterpillar tractor tread about 4 inches wide and 18 inches long. The driveway was so narrow, it would have been impossible for any automobile's tire to get into the center where the marks were. There were also two deep and distinct for motorcycles. Also, of course, they were too short. By morning, they were gone, although no one had used a driveway in the time between. Not long after, Hopkins began experiencing trouble with his telephone. He often picked it up to find the line dead or filled with static, and his patients began to complain that when they called, he either didn't answer his phone or they would get a voice falsely claiming that his number was out of service. On those occasions, when a connection was successfully made, it was often mysteriously broken in the middle of a conversation. The local phone company determined that Hopkins' phone line was definitely being tampered with, but were at a loss to explain how or by whom. As for the New Jersey UFO Research Organization, no such institution exists. In 1954, it was a hotter year than usual for Tokyo, but for Haneda Airport, it was simply business as usual. Of course, that was until one of the routine European inbound planes arrived. As the crowd of passengers made their way through the airport and one by one went through customs, a well-dressed and very well-presented man alerted the officials that this trip was just another of his business trips, one of the three which he had been on this year. Although the main language he spoke was French, he also spoke Japanese as well as other languages. Inside of his wallet, he had several European currencies. The situation quickly became strange after the man was asked where he was from. He told them without any hesitation that he was from the country of Tarid, a country that lied between the borders of France and Spain. The customs officials were adamant about how this country did not exist, although the man proceeded to present them with the passport which had been issued by the country of Turid. To further how legit the passport was, it had been stamped with the appropriate visa stamps which proved his previous travel claims. Officials, still baffled by this man and his origin, called up the company which this man had said he was meeting. Once on the phone, the officials found out that the representatives of the company had no idea who the man was, nor had they heard of the company which he represented. Not only that, but the hotel where the man claimed to be staying had no recognition of him booking a room with them. 
Officials continued to question the man and had moved him into their interrogation room, asking him a range of questions for a total of eight hours. The man began to get tired of their pondering and confusion, although even through his irritants, he was cooperative and continued to provide them with a flawless story. He told them that he had made the same journey several times a year for about five years, and yet he had never run into an issue like this. He was completely baffled by the fact that they had never heard of the country of Tarid. The officials moved on to another technique. They showed the man a map and asked him to show them where Tarid was located. Perhaps him calling the country Tarid was an inside joke of his own, or perhaps that's what he had grown up and believed his country to be called. The officials pointed towards Andorra, asking him if that was in fact a country where he was from. The man, starting to get agitated at this point, told them that Andorra was exactly where Tarid was located and that the country he was proud to represent had been around for several thousand years. Whilst custom officials were trying to figure everything out, the man from Tarid was kept in custody at a nearby hotel. The next morning, this mysterious situation took a turn. The man had simply vanished from the hotel room, a room which had been protected by officials all night. To escalate matters, the documents which had been gathered by airport security, including his passport, driver's license, and other documents on him, had completely disappeared from the security room. The security team tried their best to get to the bottom of this, but never did they solve the case of the mysterious man from Tarid. Those that believe in the paranormal have expressed that Tennessee High School is one of the most haunted high schools in the United States due to the belief that three specific ghosts inhabit the school. One of the ghosts that have been repeatedly reported in the past goes by the name of Agnes, the most famous ghost at Tennessee High School. Intrigued student reporters who had dug into the school's history discovered the possible story that brought the legend of Agnes to life. The story involves a young girl by the name of Norma who was attending a school event called Class Night. Class Night was an annual formal affair meant to celebrate the seniors leaving the school and the juniors who would be taking their place. Norma attended Class Night, but the morning after, she was found dead floating in the school pool. She had drowned sometime during or after class night, but no one is too sure how it all happened. Since there haven't been any other reports of another girl passing away or any paranormal encounters having occurred before this event, many people attribute Norma's death to be the reason behind the lingering ghost of Agnes at the school. 
students and staff have decided not to change the name Agnes to Norma in order to respect Norma's memory and separate her from the legend. Following the tragic death of Norma, numerous strange paranormal occurrences have been witnessed in the following decades in the school's hallways. Students and staff have reported that they have heard wet footsteps as the ghost of Agnes walks through the hallways. After constant claims of wet footsteps in the hallways, the school decided to put down carpeting so that the wet footsteps could no longer be heard. However, maintenance workers still claim that they feel the presence of Agnes at nighttime. Frank Maple, a longtime teacher at Tennessee High School, has had multiple first-hand encounters with Agnes. At one point while at school, Maple worked as the stage manager for the plays that were being held. When preparing for performances, Maple and the students involved often stayed at the school until 11 or 12 at night. Maple reported that around midnight, Agnes would often come and visit them. She would appear from the attic entrance, glide down, and sit on the rail above the auditorium's clock, swinging her legs to and fro. Maple explained, She always wore a long white evening dress, the kind of dress she would have worn during class night. She'd watch the stage for a while, and everyone down there would see her. Then she would turn and begin to walk back to the attic, gradually fading into nothingness as she walked away. Even though the case of the drowned girl seems to align with the legend of Agnes, another popular legend is that she was actually killed in a car accident. It is believed that on the night of class night, she died in a car crash with the school's second ghost, the Phantom Train. At different times, the Phantom Train appears from the gym and charges down the hallway, blaring loudly as it goes. The intensity of the train noises cause the rooms and the hallways to shake violently as it passes. The origin of the Phantom Train is still unknown, but theories suggest that a section of the school was built atop old railroad lines. It would seem that the train is still traveling down the same route it did all these years. The third ghost is a former athlete that attended the school at some point. One night, after a game, he was walking home and a car ended up running him over. The young man's spirit returned to Tennessee High School and has stayed there ever since. Students state that they usually encounter his ghost while at games in the stadium. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. 
Parker, engineering your success. This is your invitation to the intersection of versatility and design. The kind of experience you can only find in a Lexus SUV. A feeling this empowering is invite only. Fortunately, you're invited. Experience the versatility of the complete line of Lexus SUVs and some of the best offers of the year on select models at the Invitation to Lexus sales event, now through April 1st. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer.